Hello, I'm Charlotte Watts. Welcome to these podcasts that were first broadcast live in my Facebook group, Charlotte Watts Calm. Hope you enjoy them. And if you want more, please look at my website, charlottewattshealth.com. Hello, welcome to this session on easing tension in the belly and the lower back. And I particularly wanted to bring those two things together because so often people will mention or report or give themselves uh, diagnoses or go to the doctor, have diagnoses in terms of digestive issues or in terms of the lower back. And in our quite reductionist society where things are quite segmented and we may look at different parts of the body together, so there the lower back might be seen as part of the musculoskeletal system and digestion is seen as part of the digestive system, it can be quite normal to separate these things out. And at the moment, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a book on yoga therapy for digestive health. And as has come up time and time again, whenever I look in terms of any tension or trauma held down into the belly, into the lower body, the correlations and the continual relationships between the belly, what we hold down in the gut and the lower back are completely and utterly interlinked and continually communicating. Now, part of the reason that that connection doesn't necessarily get viewed in the modern medical world or in our minds is that often, for instance, lower back issues are seen, like I said, as part of the musculoskeletal system, so muscles and bones. And it is very much part of anatomy that comes from the more reductionist kind of Cartesian model where things are particularly the anatomy and physiology that was learnt from kind of Da Vinci's time where dissections were done and cut through the connective tissue, the fascia that actually holds the whole of the body, kind of suspends the body in a web that runs under the skin. It runs through muscle, around muscle, around organs, connecting the whole of us. And since that's the part of the body that was cut away during dissection, we're left very much with a picture in the modern world of the body that's in two segments, that muscles and body systems get put into their separate parts and not really seen as a cohesive whole. There's a lot of work now on the fascia, lots and lots of research, which I've been going through, which is absolutely fascinating in terms of partly how that communicates back up to the brain, how receptive that is in terms of how stressed or what kind of trauma stuff that happened to us in our past that we might be holding on and how that expresses through the lower back and the belly. Now, in terms of fascia, this connective tissue web, it's very important for many things. It doesn't just kind of hold us together. It doesn't just knit things. It creates slide and glide. That is how we move between muscle, between organs, and where muscles and organs lay close to each other. And when we tend to get stressed or hold on to trauma, those can get quite viscous, quite held, And they can even start to have lesions and adhesions. So things get very kind of locked and tight in, which is part of the stress response to lock and tighten things in so that we're ready to kind of quickly 
gather in and go in the fight or flight response. But we can get quite locked in here. For instance, in trauma, if we are simply reliving something that happened in the past as if it were here now. And often we're not even conscious that we're doing that. These are very subconscious survival strategies. And survival comes from this part of us, this belly and lower back part of us. I'll come back to that uh, a bit later on. So fascia there is really important for slide and glide. That movement and that movement in itself, allowing us to move from the belly, to have integrated movement from the belly, to have that, that type of transition in life through movement, that type of response in terms of movement, that kind of protection in terms of being able to be aware and move accordingly and how we move in with a sense of flow and a sense of grace, which really allows us to feel that we make smooth, those smooth transitions through life. The really interesting thing about fascia is it's, it's the organ, if you like, of our often called our sixth sense, which is kinesthesia. And kinesthesia brings together two things. It used to be kind of believed to be just kind of how we moved through life. But the more modern approach to this is twofold. And one is is our interoception. So that is our sensory feeling, uh, viewing of our internal world. So partly that is our gut feelings, those rising up from the belly, those instincts. And partly it is how we feel about movement and a sense that we can have of it. So sometimes something will make us respond in a way where we feel heavy. We can feel light and buoyant if we're happy. We can feel our body kind of drags us along if we're feeling tired. We can feel a sense of being stuck. We can feel pain from interoception. So it's very closely linked to what's called nociception, which is the sensation of pain. And when fascia gets this kind of adhesion and this kind of this sticking and holding from trauma that I mentioned before, then what can happen is pain receptors get heightened. So they keep sending signals to the brain. So it's being more understood about chronic pain and what we feel in the lower back and the belly, that it's really not just about structure. I see a lot of people with chronic pain given MRIs and that there seems to be just, you know, no reason for it. And partly fascia doesn't show up on MRIs. So these kind of lesions that I'm talking about won't be seen in that way. But also it's not just about inflammation or structural issues, but it's about the pain transfer, the communication itself. So the communication is kind of like a knocking on the door, kind of listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. And a sign that if we're not able to listen to our real gut instincts, those belly feelings that are coming from below, maybe we've shut them off. Maybe things from our past were just kind of too difficult to deal with, but they will come up. Those voices will come up and start knocking on the door and be felt as pain in the only way that they can communicate to us. So there's a lot of this kind of body work now around um, looking at finding safety down in the belly, down in the lower back, down in our core, our center, our root area to really help kind of quell these voices and start to get the feedback to the body that it's safe and it doesn't need to keep this communication up. And the other part of kinesthesia, our sixth sense, is proprioception. So proprioception works with interoception, our internal landscape, and it is how we sense the external, how we move through space. 
So it's how we know, for instance, if you wake up in, in the dark and you've got to find your way to the loo and there's no light, you will find your way. Or if you close your eyes, if your proprioception is working well, you should be able to touch your nose with your finger. It's common in things like ADHD, autism, trauma, again, that proprioception gets scrambled, if you like. And what happens is people kind of feel that they flail through life. They might feel a bit clumsy. And we can all get a bit of a loss of proprioception when we get tired, for instance. You might find those days where you just feel more clumsy than others. You can't quite sense your way through life. And also when proprioception comes to get dampened down again by stress or trauma, it can be that our motions through life get a, well, a bit less subtle, if you like. So people might bang about a bit more or they might feel that they need to kind of push their body a bit more. Or people often with, with kind of lack of proprioception feel they need stronger cuddles or need to cross their legs very strongly or do things, press against things that make them know that they're there. Because one of the things that trauma does, for instance, is gives a sense that we're, we're quite out of body, we're dissociated. And often we need that grounding that comes through the belly and the lower back to know that we are here in life. And so much of that also comes up through the feet, which are inherently linked into the pelvic floor, into the belly and into the lower back. And on that note, where we tend to hold a lot of the stuff that creates both digestive issues and lower back pain is into a set of muscles that are collectively known as the psoas. So this is the muscular complex, if you like. I'm just going to call it a, a muscle from now on that links the bottom body to the top body. It's the only set of muscles, muscle that links the legs to the spine. So it allows us to propel forward when we take a step and is incredibly important for our forward motion, our ability to move ourselves through the world. But also it lays deep into our pelvic cavity and holds like a basket, holds our abdominal organs and the fascia that connects the psoas muscle into the pelvic cavity also helps to support the digestive organs. So there's a very, very close link to that deep muscle that allows us to stand up and our digestion. And our digestion is where we have our enteric nervous system, that part of the nervous system, about as big as a cat's brain, that signals back up to the brain, about 90% of the information going gut to brain, how safe or unsafe we feel at any point. And that's the response that comes from that continual just scanning of safe or unsafe has its response in the psoas. So for instance, if we feel unsafe, it is part of our safety mechanism to curl into a fetal position, to curl into a ball. Because human beings stand up, we show our bellies, our throats, our vulnerable bits to the world. And meaning when we are feel threatened, it's very important to protect belly, throat, and groin as well, to really to curl ourselves in. And it's the psoas muscle that initiates this curl in. So if we're under continual stress, or again, we're holding this kind of vestige of trauma in the body, what happens is the psoas muscle often gets quite tight. It's continually contracting. Also, if we've tended to any lower back issues, if there's any pelvic instability, and that can include how we lift up through the inner legs, then it's the psoas that has to tend to take over, stabilizing our upright posture. And when that happens, the psoas tends to get tight and it tends to then stay tight. And what this can do is kind of pull the pelvis forward so we can get a bit of a, 
a slight banana back, if you like, and, and kind of st- quite sticking forward of the belly, which is quite a common pattern, um, particularly common of sitting on chairs all day as well, because that also foreshortens the psoas muscle. Then what happens if our psoas muscle tends to be short and tight is that continually feeds back to the belly, to the enteric nervous system in the belly, that we must have to hold on. We must have to protect ourselves continually from perceived stress or that internally generated trauma of reliving something that was in the past as if it were here now. And with that holding of the psoas continually, there's a continual communication that we need to keep hold of the stress response. That feeds back down to the gut because digestion relies on the calming tone of the nervous system, the rest and digest parasympathetic tone of the nervous system to be able to work. So it's really important that we, for when we're eating, for instance, and so why mindful eating is so important, that the more we can rest and sit eating, eat sitting, um, the more our digestion can innovate, the more it can work. But if we have this continual unsafe coming up from the lower back, and if the psoas is tight, it pulls, like I said, the pelvis forward, and that can create a lot of tension in the lower back. So you've got this continual loop going on. And although people might not notice it, this loop will often be related digestive symptoms to lower back symptoms. Within that as well, our bowel, the fascia in our bowel is connected to our sacroiliac joints. So sacroiliac joints are are where the lower back sits into the pelvis. And they tend to be, there's two joints here that can get quite loose. And particularly if you've been pregnant, um, given birth, if you're female, then they can get quite loose. They can get quite loose if there is that pelvic instability that I talked about, because that means that the the lower back tends to have to move around in the pelvis a, a bit more. And that pulling on one of those or either of those and a looseness and instability there can be the root of back pain for a lot of people. Interestingly enough, our colon, our large intestines, that's where feces stools form, where all the the products of our digestion that are to be eliminated finally sit before they're ingested. Very important part of letting go, eliminating, clearing out stuff we don't need. Our colon, it moves up from just inside the hip bone, up the right side, and then across the body, kind of about navel area, all kind of different, and then down the other side again. So down from the left belly button height down to the bottom left-hand corner of the groin, just inside the hip bone. From there, it then moves down to the anus for uh, where ingestion happens. And the fascia in the the ascending colon, the one on the right-hand side, the fascia of the ileocecal valves, and that's the valve where the small intestine connects into the large intestine, incredibly important valve, that fascia adheres into the body at the site of the right sacroiliac joint. So this is right lower back. And what happens when we, for various reasons, and, and this can be kind of about low gut motility, and that's how the wave-like patterns of the gut move through particularly the small intestine. If gut motility isn't good or we're stressed or for various reasons, the sacroiliac joint 
uh, celiac valve rather, can let stuff back into the small intestine, which is a real root of many digestive symptoms. So it's all known as small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. SIBO, for instance, is one of the, I will do a, a future session on that. But having a kind of flicky or a sacroiliac valve that lets things go backwards for things should only be moving forward from the small intestine to the large intestine can cause untold levels of digestive issues. And there's such a link here between lower back issues on the right and that kind of digestive symptom. Now, on the left, the larging colon there, where it's, it's often the site, if you tend to constipation, we can get a lot of kind of fecal who basically sitting there getting impacted, fecal impaction, thank you, <laughs> sitting down on the left-hand side of the colon. And that's kind of where we adhere, where we the, the, the fascia is linked to the left-hand sacroiliac joint. So you can see there's plenty of scope here for feeling stuff that's happening in the digestion into the lower back. And particularly have any digestive orders that are inflammatory by nature, could be in inflammatory bowel disease or Crohn's or colitis, or just that kind of inflammation that is part and parcel of uh, conditions like IBS, SIBO, and that we really may not know about. And particularly if you're feeling pain, that uh, pain that's around the belly, around the back and tends to travel. Again, that could be pain coming up that is part of inflammation. And that has that all implicated in that those lesions and adhesions that we get of the fascia, where at those sites there can be inflammation. And that inflammation itself can increase the pain communication back up to the brain. So you can see it's all incredibly interlinked. And although unraveling that can seem like a large job, we don't really actually need to know absolutely every single detail about that. What we need to know is several things. One, that this is really incredibly important to feel safe around the belly, around the lower back. And in yogic terms, the root chakra so our pelvic floor and up up from the inner legs and pelvic floor that holds us up and is related to the lower part of, of the psoas muscle is all about survival in kind of developmental terms it's linked to kind of you know attachment and attunement phases of development this first kind of first year in life where we're really getting that sense of how safe we are in life, how safe, how safe the world is around us, which is what we take into with us for the rest of our lives as a default programming for us, if you like. And above the second chakra is then where we're said to move from. So when we start to sit up as babies, this starts to be innovative when we start to rise up into the spine. That the second part of us below the navel is about how we feel safe and then move from it. So we get moving in the belly. And this movement in the belly is really important for slide and glide. So there are plenty of things that we can do for slide and glide, getting on all fours and simply moving around and rotating the pelvis and really feeling that into the tissues in the lower back is incredibly you get slide and glide going very, very well where we might be stuck. So things like circling the hips when you're standing every so often. So particularly if you have a job where you sit down, stand up and circle the hips to feel slide and glide happening. Um, and I also tend to use a spiky ball. I will show you for those of you who are watching live. This is spiky ball I use and I will put that under the sacrum. So under the lower back. In constructive rest position, where's one where you're laying down with your feet on the ground, knees bent, 
legs about 90 degrees so that your psoas is neutral in that position. It's the place the psoas can release because it's not a muscle we want stretching. It's a muscle that really mostly needs releasing and letting us know things are safe. But being in constructive rest and placing a ball, a spiky ball underneath your sacrum and then just rolling around to get some real massage is a real facial, myofascial release around that area, which again helps to just release that whole area and, and allow us to have that movement and that flow there that starts to release in terms of slide and glide between organs and in terms of a general sense of being moved, able to move out from the belly. Now, in chakra terms, the psoas comes right up to the diaphragm. So breathing is really, well, no, not in chakra terms, in all terms, the, this, the psoas comes right up into the diaphragm and breathing has a massive impact on it. So laying down, letting your breath move the whole of the diaphragm allows the breath to then move into the belly, particularly if you feel that tightness into the diaphragm. It comes along with lower back or digestive issues, getting that moving, laying down, getting that moving is really key. And that part here, um, solar plexus, where we often feel our stress in yogic terms is third chakra. It's, it's where the digestive fires are said to sit. And that really relies on that safety coming up from the first two to be able to have that full sense of innovation, that sense of vitality here, if you like. And in terms of digestion, that's the place where the stomach can really move stuff around and you can get good stomach acid levels that help to break food down and then help to move gut motility further down. So if you like the Agni in yoga, which is uh, digestive fire, is really, really linked to this idea of gut motility, motion, movement, moving things through in the small intestine. So that's a lot of information about your center and your lower back. But I think one of the things that's absolutely key is to move in these areas and to have a connection to these areas. When we go into the stress response, we so often just live neck up in terms of thoughts and chest, shoulders, neck, ears up in terms of our physical response, holding our breath up in those areas and not letting it drop down. And sometimes that can be because we don't really want to feel, it's a little too much to feel the stuff that's buried deeper down. So a really softly, softly kind approach and an embodied approach that really allows us to befriend our body and be in it with a sense of awareness of where we are, a grounding that gives us a sense of here we are, I exist here and now is the stuff that really allows us to drop down into that area and to, to start to get the softness and kindness that really lets it release and let go of any holding and pain that we tend to have there. So thank you very much. A lot of material there. So if you do have any questions, do send it through. I will put a somatic yoga video up here it's part of the calm package keep saying i'll put that up and i will put the link up straight afterwards and if you don't have uh haven't signed up for the calm package already sign up for that it's got a somatic yoga sequence in it that starts in constructive rest and then moves uh, around the belly and allows you to drop into that area so do try that out thank you goodbye